0: We're going to be looking at Proverbs chapter 3 today. As I was thinking about how to start the year, you know, we've got um, a sermon series on Acts, on the book of Acts, that's going to begin next Sunday. And so today I was thinking, like, what, how, you know, what would be best for us in terms of thinking about the new year? And uh, I've been spending personal time in my Bible reading in a year that's going to take me two years. Um, as I was reading the book of Proverbs, so many things gripped my heart that uh, I thought, well, I just need to share what God has been teaching me uh, from this book. And so we're going to be looking at Proverbs chapter 3. We're going to be looking at the first 18 verses. If you don't have a Bible, they're printed in your bulletin. There's also They're also going to end up up here on the board here as I read. So give ear now. This is God's Word. My son, <clears throat> do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace... They will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart, so you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father, his, the son in whom he delights. Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. For the gain from her is better than gain from silver, and her profit better than gold. She is more precious than jewels, and nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand. In her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasantness, and all her paths are peace." She is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her. Those who hold her fast are called blessed. This is God's word. Well, I think all of us, I mean, we're four, three days into the new year. New Year's is a time for celebration, but also it's for reflection, right? People, everybody commits again to making changes, Right, we want 2010 to be better than 2009. Uh, we want to be able to see that things have gotten better, that we're better, that our lives are better. I mean, that's what the new year is all about, a fresh start, a new beginning, right? But we have a problem, right? How do we make the decisions? What are the decisions that we should make that will produce a better year, right? How do we know if we've made the right decisions? So much, even of resolutions, is a decision to change, right? How do you know what to resolve? How do you know? Do you resolve something for a whole year? Do you resolve something just for a week? Do you resolve something just for a month? And then re-up every, you know, with each successive thing? You know, how do you know if you're choosing the right path for yourself um, in your career, with your relationships? I mean, what, what's the right thing to choose, and how do you know? I mean, it seems like the lack of assurance often really does drive us crazy. You know, that insecure feeling that, well, how do I know I'm making the right decision? How do I know I've chosen the right job? How do I know I've chosen the right partner, right? Husband, wife, uh, boyfriend, girlfriend. And our, that uncertainty that we have, it really can drive us to insecurity. You know, we <laughs> delay decisions because we're not sure if we've picked the right one or we're waiting for something to tell us what to do Um, or we make them and then we worry if we've condemned ourselves to a life of second best, right? I mean, this is kind of the dark side of of the new year as we make decisions. Um, This is something I struggle with. And I know for some people, for some of you, that, that insecurity, that uncertainty, it rises so high that you even medicate it with drugs, with alcohol, with sex. There are things that you do to try to take away that feeling of insecurity, that feeling of uncertainty. Um, in an effort to pursue some sort of release or happiness. And it's not even just the big decisions that we struggle with. Sometimes it's smaller decisions. I mean, we live in downtown. We work in downtown. We are in downtown. We worship here. What do you do when someone comes up on the street and asks you for money? Do you always do the same thing? What's the difference? How do you know what to do in a situation like that? Well, all these questions... (laughs) the Bible really does give us a solution to all of this. I'm serious. There is a solution that Scripture gives us to answer all of these things. The Bible says that you can have confidence and security if you just exercise wisdom. Wisdom. Wisdom is the answer to the uncertainty of decisions. Wisdom is the answer to having 2010 be better than 2009. And it's great because the book of Proverbs, this whole book in the Bible, is dedicated to gaining and using wisdom. Right? God doesn't want us to live with insecurity and fear and uncertainty. He's, so he's provided wisdom so that we would know what the right path is. And so we're going to look at this sampling of the book of Proverbs today, this this small piece of this, and we're going to see that there's three steps to gaining wisdom. Okay, three steps to getting wisdom and all the blessings that wisdom promises. Okay, if you want to take notes, you can take notes on page seven. Pretty simple. First, you need to open your eyes. Second, you need to open your ears. And then third, you need to open your hands. So open your eyes, your ears, and your hands. So first, open your eyes. You have to see what's in this book. Okay? And to see what's in this book, you have to open your eyes. This is verses 1 through 6. We think about wisdom. What is wisdom, actually? Have you ever thought about that? What what exactly? How would you define wisdom? I've heard a lot of things. Some people equate it with knowledge, but it's not that. There are a lot of people who know a lot of stuff but aren't very wise. I was accused of being the dumbest genius who walked the face of the earth when I was in high school because people knew that I knew a lot, but then they'd see me do things and think, you're an idiot. (laughs) And so wisdom and knowledge are not equal. Wisdom is actually the skill of applying knowledge. Okay? It's the skill of right living. Okay? It's the ability to face a situation and then bring all the truths together and know how to apply it correctly in that situation. Okay? And so when you think about that, what, what image comes to your mind? What's your vision of wisdom? For some of you older folks, maybe Archie Bunker would be a good example of wisdom. Or across the generations, Yoda, right, from Star Wars. Because you come up to him and he always knows the right answer, right? He always, and he has this truth that you've never thought, oh, now I get it, right? Uh, you know, Jesus is a great example of wisdom no matter how often they would come to him and they'd stump him, Jesus knew exactly what to say. He knew exactly what to do in every situation. It seemed like Jesus had all of the plates sort of spinning, you know, that image of you're trying, and that's the hard part, right? It's trying to, it's taking the truths and how do you mesh the truths together when the truths maybe seem to push you in different decisions or different answers, right? How do you do that? Jesus is a great example, And so it it seems like no matter what the situation, they knew what to think, they knew what to do. It's kind of a vision that we have of what wisdom looks like. And so our text teaches us, the first six verses teach us about wisdom. I mean, it's based on knowledge, but it has everything to do with experience, relationships, and everyday living. In verse 1, it says, Let your heart keep my commandments. Okay, this is good for those of us who are, know, who are knowers, who are know-oriented. If your life is built on ideas and things that you learn, you're a knower. Okay, well, verse 1 is a, is a push for us because it says, let your heart keep my commandments. Okay, this doesn't say keep my commandments in your mind and be able to memorize them and be able to recite them. I mean, that's a good thing, but you need to let your heart keep the commands. Okay, and so part of wisdom is not just knowing the commands, but wanting the commands. Okay, it's more than just knowing what God says in his word, but it's wanting to be in relationship with him. God wants our hearts. And so wisdom challenges us and says, what do you really want? You know, do you really want the truths of God's word? Do you really want the truths of wisdom? You Look at verse 3. This is interesting. He says, Keep love. Whoa. It says, Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Right? Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So, what we see here is that this actually takes work. Okay? You've got to open your eyes and see the truths of wisdom, and then you've got to own them. Right? You need to own them. You've got to work at them. You have to actually let them not run away from you, right? Don't let them forsake you. Don't let them leave you. Don't let steadfast love and faithfulness get away from you. Instead, you know, grab hold of them and then tie them around your neck, right? Write them on your heart where they can't ever get away. And so this takes work. It really does. It takes a lot of work because you learn. I mean, we talk about how we leak, you know, here at Harbor, right? We hear the truths. We hear the gospel. We hear the good news. We hear the wisdom of God, and yet we forget it don't we because it is it's hard to keep all these truths together and so we have to bind these things time around our necks you know where they're always with us write them on our hearts and this takes work it's hard but it's necessary wisdom is so necessary because frankly problems are complicated right i mean sometimes you might have even a bible verse that speaks to your situation but you think you know what I think that this situation requires taking this truth and nuancing it a little bit so that it applies correctly in my situation. Life is complicated. The problems that we encounter are complicated, and we need wisdom to know how do we apply what we know about Scripture. How do we apply the verses? And so wisdom is necessary because problems are complicated, because wisdom also applies to everyone. Everyone. I mean, that's what's great. You read the book of Proverbs, and all of a sudden you have advice that applies to both Christians and non-Christians, right? Everyone can grow from wisdom. Everybody needs wisdom. You know, how do you take the truths that are out there that bear on a situation and juggle them together so that you do the right thing, right? So wisdom applies to everyone, and wisdom also leads us to Christ. leads us to Christ. The book of Proverbs starts in chapter 1, verse 7 by saying that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, right? That wisdom begins with a right relationship with God. And when the Bible says fear in the Lord, it doesn't mean terror and cower and fear. It means be, have a, be, be in awe of him, have a reverence for God, be in a right relationship where you realize he is that big, you know? He is so big that you wouldn't even come up to his big toe if he had a body. Right? That's how small we are compared to him, and yet he loves us and cares about us. So there's that balance between fear and joy that I think reverence captures. But So wisdom leads us to Christ. And so my hope is that all of you will actually want to pursue wisdom, that you will make a decision, if you haven't already made one in your life at some point, that you will decide that you are going to, to want wisdom and that you are going to seek it out. You're going to go after wisdom. Now, how do you do that? Well, one great place is to open your eyes and then open the scriptures and make the two come together. Right? Read the scriptures, understand the truths of scriptures and make them a part of you. You want to think about the truths as you read them and how will they work themselves out in your lives. When you do this, Amazing things happen. I mean, really cool things happen, actually. Like, you become a different person as you embrace wisdom, as you experience becoming wiser, because you get the assurance of God's favor. You get assurance. I mean, think about this. When you make a decision that's complicated, even one that's simple, if you make the decision and act based on what you've read in the Bible, then you can know that God's excited about your decision. think about that. You say, okay, God, you say this, so I'm going to do this. I'm going to follow in line with your word. When you do that, that thrills God's heart. And so you have the assurance of God's favor. You also get security and confidence when there's no right answer. You know, because how many times we face those sorts of situations when there is no right answer, and you're trying to figure out which of these good things is best, right? Or which of these bad things is least worst right if you're underwater in terms of finances what are you going to do like i mean and you think well there's really three things i could do and they're all bad but which is the least worst right when you when there is no right answer and yet you take the truths of scripture and you apply them to that situation and you say okay god here's where i'm going and this is why here's what you've said and this is why i'm making this decision when you do that you have confidence and security that you are making a wise decision, okay? Now, even if you find out later that maybe a different scenario would have been better, a different road would have, would have been better for you at the time, you actually will experience the blessings of knowing the security and the comfort that God will shepherd you through that. He will take care of you if you are devoting yourself to him, right? It says in verse, uh, verse 5, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understandings. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he'll make, your, he'll make straight your paths. And so there's, there's security, there's comfort, there's confidence um, that God will teach you through any experience when you make it based on his principles. And then the joy comes because you can now live in the tension of life and still thrive. Okay? That's what wisdom enables you to do. Because frankly, the world, our lives, they're broken, right? There are ways that it's beautiful, there are ways that our lives are beautiful and, and wonderful. And then there's other parts of our lives that are broken. And so in the complexity of the decisions that we have to make, having to live in situations where're really where we're not exactly sure what to do, if you base your decision on God's truth, then you can live and be happy and be filled with joy even when there isn't a clean um, outcome, even when you have to live in the messiness of life. You can know if you're basing your answers, your decisions on God's truth, that you're going to be blessed, that you're going to be blessed. And so what ends up happening, sort of the big aha that comes out of this, is that when you begin to do this, when you open your eyes and you see the truths of Scripture and you begin to apply them, when you do this, You end up mature. Just flat out, you end up mature. When you do this, you end up growing spiritually. You end up better connected to Christ because you understand Him better and how He thinks. You end up better connected to the church, people in the church, because you know how to help them and you know how to live your life. And then you end up better connected to the world because you're learning, you're loving, and you're serving. That's what wisdom pushes you to do. And so that's our first point, that to get wisdom and experience his blessings, you've got to open your eyes to see what's in the book. Our second point is you need to open your ears. You need to open your ears. You've got to listen. You've got to listen. This is verses 7 to 12. And verse 7 is really where Proverbs both gets in our kitchen and then demonstrates its own wisdom. Okay, verse 7 says, Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. This is good. This is good for all of us. What it means, this phrase, don't be wise in your own eyes, this means be careful not to think that you know more than you do. Okay, this is a caution for us. Be careful that you don't think you know more than you do. And it's saying to us, if you're the sole determiner of truth in your life, right, if you are the final authority, if you are the only one that you trust with truth, then ultimately you and you alone are responsible for your happiness. Okay? Now this challenges us, I know. If you're the one and nobody else, if you don't listen to other people, if you don't listen even to God himself, then you end up being fully and totally responsible for how you feel and, and where your life is. Okay, now for some people, actually, that's, that, do, that works out okay for them. They're willing to take that on. They're willing to, you know, to, to make life work, and it does work for a lot of people. But the problem is that when life falls apart, when you are confronted with a decision that you don't know what to do, when you're at the end of your resources, at that point, you're all alone. And you're in trouble because it was by your own wisdom that you got into the situation. And so do you think if your wisdom led you in, it's going to lead you out? I mean, we've got to be careful. And so the Bible is saying, be careful about that. You don't need to live that way. You don't have to be isolated from the rest of the world, but really what you ought to do is you ought to be listening. You ought to open your ears and hear others. You ought to hear others. And so we need to listen to God. God says here in verse 7, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. I mean, it's interesting how those two things are put together, right? Fear the Lord, turn away from evil. I, I feel like, Really, what what that verse is saying is it's saying that oftentimes the reason that we pursue after evil is because we're pursuing something else that's not God as though it were God. Okay, let me explain what I mean. Um, There are times when we give in to evil, not because we want to be evil people necessarily, but because we want something, right? We want pleasure, we want comfort, we want wealth, we want you know, fill in the blank. We want control, and so we'll lie or we'll cheat or we'll steal or whatever. We'll do things in order to become, in order to get what we want because we think it'll make us happy, okay? And so there are things that we do that are evil um, that we do because we're trying to achieve a level of happiness. And the Bible's saying if you end up doing that, you're going to end up on a road that's going to lead to nowhere. Listen to this. Proverbs 9 Verse 17 says this, Stolen water is sweet, and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. That jumped off the page at me a few weeks ago when I read it. Stolen water is sweet, and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. Because I realize that there are times when I do things for myself that i don't want anybody else to know and there's a sweetness that comes i mean just in a in a really kind of more humor humorous example you think it's late at night and you get the munchies right and so spouse friend roommate whatever um you know is somewhere else and you go into the kitchen right because you want to get something to eat and you know if you get caught, I mean, this happens to me. Like, I don't want my kids to find out what I'm eating. I don't want Lainey to find out what I'm going to eat. But I'm going to go after the good stuff, right? And there's no one around. I mean, that's bread eaten in secret, right? And there's a huge amount of joy and, and pleasantness um, with that. It's bread eaten in secret because I know I'm getting away with something, right? I'm getting over in this way. And I read this verse, and I thought, you know what? I need to be careful. I mean, there's nothing wrong with enjoying food. God has God's the one who made sugar. Right? God made all the flavors and all the spices. I mean, God made all this stuff. So it's, it's good to enjoy food. But I had to check my heart and ask myself, is the pleasure I'm deriving this because I'm doing it in secret? And so over the last couple of weeks, since I read this verse, I told Lainey about it because, you know, then it becomes real. Because I'm not just now hiding and I, I'm the only one who knows if I'm doing it or not. So I tell her about it. And now whenever I go after something in the kitchen, I just announce it. You know? All right, I'm eating Doritos, okay? I'm having a cookie. Uh, just, I mean, just as a way to say, look, I don't want to be doing things in secret anymore, right? I don't want to hide what I'm doing because if I'm that ashamed of what I'm doing, I would much rather do it in front of other people. I mean, people that I love, that love me, right? Um, but I'd rather do it so that the secret piece is taken away. So the secret piece is taken away. Because I know for me, I will run to doing evil things if I can get away with it. And so that's Proverbs 9, 17. Here's another one that was good on this issue. Proverbs 18, verse 1. It's kind of related. Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire, and he breaks out against all sound judgment. Okay, whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire, and he breaks out against all sound judgment. And again, this is good because sometimes we isolate ourselves not because it's legitimate to have time alone, not because it's legitimate for us to be away from relationships and just have time for ourselves, but sometimes we do that because we don't want to hear other people, because we don't want to hear what they have to say because we know we're in the wrong, and isolating ourselves can shield us off from the critical eye of other folks. Okay, And that we've got to be careful about that. That's a very practical uh, piece of wisdom that will help us. And it also reminds us that we need other people in our lives. Right? If you're isolating yourself, you're not going to be healthy. You're not going to be healthy. And so I think even the process of discipleship, discipleship is often just when we help each other grow as a church. Discipleship is often really just it's sharing wisdom. You know, it's going back and forth, sharing truth and how it applies. I mean, we all need to be doing that with each other. We all need to have people in our lives that we're sharing truth with, that they're sharing truth with us. I mean, we get this from verse 11, right? My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline. Verse 1, my son, do not forget my teaching. You know, God has built it so that parents and children exchange information, so that wisdom is passed down. And in an ideal family situations, that's what happens. In places where you don't have that, then you gotta look for older folks who can give you wisdom. You know, it's older folks, but it's also our peers. You know, we need people in our own sphere, our own age level that can help us apply truth you know, and wisdom to our lives. And then we need to have people that we're pouring into. You know, all of us need to have all three of these things happening, people that we look to, people that are sort of on par with us, and then also people that we're helping along. As we do these things and we share wisdom, we grow, we become more mature, and we actually, I mean, here's sort of the aha thing, is that when you open your ears, you become wiser. Okay, so if if you want to be wise... You don't just open your eyes to see what's in Scripture, but you need to open your ears and listen to the people around you. And there's a good test in here. Verse 11, My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. Reproof is actually a test to see if you're really listening. Okay? Okay? And what verses eleven and twelve are saying is, don't get frustrated when God disciplines you. Okay, if you are really listening, then you're willing to hear both the praise and the critique. Right? I mean, it's the fool that listens only to people that uh, that compliment them. Right? But but someone's wise. Proverbs twenty-seven six says, "Faithful are the wounds of a friend." You gotta own that. You've got to realize that when someone that you care about is coming to you with something that you need to deal with, you've got to tell yourself, okay, this hurts, but this person loves me, and this wound will be for my good. I need to listen that reproof is not necessarily a bad thing. Reproof is a wonderful thing. Proverbs 29, 15, it's the rod and reproof that gives wisdom. And then here's one that was great. Proverbs 29, 19, listen to this. By mere words, a servant is not disciplined, for though he understands, he will not respond. Think about that. By mere words, a servant's not disciplined. So mere words, words aren't enough, okay? They're saying that you need to have the words and also the disciplinary actions, okay? We all need more than words because even though he understands, he will not respond. Reproof. God reproves us because He cares about what we do, because He cares about us, because He wants us to experience the joy and the blessings of wisdom. God doesn't reprove us, you know, by having like, He doesn't allow bad things to happen in our lives because He's mean, because He's angry, because He's you know had it up to here with us, and He's really going to show us and teach us a lesson. That's not God's heart. God's heart is that we would grow and flourish by walking along the path of wisdom. And so he brings things into our lives that are negative. He, he allows challenges to come into our lives. He allows things to fall apart sometimes. And in many ways, you can read this verse, because what this says is that when that happens, when God, when those things happen to us, when God disciplines us or reproves us, God is telling us that he loves us, okay? And this isn't like an abuse sort of thing where you have abusive parents that abuse their children and go, oh, I really love you. And I mean, that's, that's not how God is. I'm not saying that. But the, the point is that God allows challenges. He allows things to test our hearts so that we can see how we're doing, right? So that we can see where our breaking points are, so that we can see really how committed we are to him. Um, and when he does that, we can have this sort of reality-altering experience where we can say, you know what? A lot of people think, well, if something bad happens to me or things don't work out in my life well, then that means God's mad at me. This says no, it's actually the opposite. When you encounter a challenge, a trial, a tribulation, in a sense, God is saying, he's not abandoning you. What he's saying is, I think you are worthy. I think you're now mature enough to handle even this. And to show in your life that your love for me is even more powerful than this negative situation. Does that make sense? That's huge. If you can realize that, then you can do what James 1 says and count it all joy when you encounter various trials. Because the testing of your faith produces endurance. And if you let endurance have its work, you will end up... Perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. That's James one three to five, three to four. And that's exciting. I mean, because now nothing bad can happen to you that God won't use for his good and for I mean for your good. I mean this is why I took responsibility for the length of Dick's sermon last week. If you were here, he blamed the length of his sermon on me. Um, I took responsibility for that because, I mean, you talk about an example of wisdom, right? His whole sermon was that. His whole sermon was, this is how you take the truth of Scripture and the truth of a relationship with God and apply it to a situation where you're staring death in the face. I said, Dick, you take as long as you need. And his story, Dick's experience, I mean, it invites you to listen to God's word. It invites you to become someone who is wisely applying God's word. So you got to listen to him. you got to open your ears and hear from someone else. I mean, that's how discipleship works. All of us can do that in the different situations. As we begin to apply God's truth to our lives, we then can help each other in that same understanding. So we need to open our eyes. We need to open our ears. This leads us to our third point. We need to open our hands. Open our hands. You've got to put wisdom into practice. Okay? I mean, wisdom by definition means practice. Okay, knowledge you can have. Theoretically, you can have knowledge without it ever affecting you at all. But wisdom, you don't have wisdom until it changes who you are and what you do. Okay, so this is sort of that no be, and do scenario that we talked about that's going to come again in the next three weeks. Wisdom is the application of truth and knowledge, and it produces practice. Okay? Now, there are times when, I mean, so here's what was interesting. When I started out thinking, ooh, you know, let's, let's, let's look at the Proverbs this week, I thought, yeah, yeah, this will get really, really practical. We'll have a lot of stuff to do. Um, and, uh, and there are times when wisdom really does change what we actually do, right? It could change the way you act at work, okay? If you have wisdom, it may change the way you act at work. Proverbs 10.2 says, Treasures gained by wickedness do not profit. It's good to know. I think we all kind of understand that. We all might believe that. But flat out, this is God's inspired truth. Treasures gained by wickedness do not profit. I and mean, that changes how I think about work. And my responsibility at work. But then beyond doing, practice, putting wisdom into practice also means being something, right? Wisdom teaches you to be have better relationships with others, knowing more about the world that we live in, knowing more about God and how God thinks about the world. You know, these things happen as we put uh, wisdom into practice. And so the bottom line, though, is how do you do it, right? How do you actually put wisdom into practice? Let me give you Here's five, here's a five-step process. How do you apply wisdom? How do you put it into practice? Number one, what does the Bible say? What are the verses? What are the truths? What are the stories in the Bible that would bear on the situation that you're looking for wisdom on? All right? What does the Bible say? Two, what experiences have I had that would shed light on this? Okay, so one, what does the Bible say? Two, what experiences? would illuminate this three you pray you ask god for wisdom right do the listening thing god give me wisdom james 1 5 says if any of you lacks wisdom ask of god god gives to everyone generously and ungrudgingly okay the images of god sort of standing in in heaven with wisdom like in his arms right and he's just waiting for you to ask God, give me wisdom. What are the truths I need to know? How do I make this decision? God's like, yes, and dumps it on you. I mean, that's how much God wants us to have wisdom. You know, so it's not like we're striving after something. It does take, it's hard work, right? It takes patience. It takes time. It takes relationships. You know, what you do is you say, okay, I'm going to commit to getting wiser this year, okay? And then in three months, you, I mean, you commit to some practices, ways that you're going to do it. And then in three months, you say, okay, do I feel any wiser, You know, in six months, do I feel any wiser? That's kind of how the process of growth works. But God wants us so much. We are lining up with God's will when we pursue wisdom, okay? God wants to drench us with his wisdom. And so we pray, we ask God for wisdom. And in that process, what happens to me a lot is I think of people. One of the ways God answers that prayer for me is he reminds me of people that I need to go talk to and ask them, what truths do they know that would have bearing on this? What experience do they have? that would have bearing on this decision. And so, um, so it's kind of like 3A, 3B, is ask God and then ask others. <coughs> Fourth, if you still don't know what to do, sometimes that's all you need and you're, and you're ready to go. You've, you've got confidence to make a decision. If you still don't know what to do at that point, number four then is you create a list of pros and cons. Right? What are the advantages of doing this? What are the disadvantages? Advantages of doing you know, that, Disadvantages. You can even create a list of implications. If I do this, here's what I'll have to deal with, good and bad. If I do this, here's what I'll have to deal with. Okay, here are the things that will happen. And then fifth, you just make the call. You make a decision, putting it before God and saying, God, here's what I'm thinking, here's what I'm deciding, and this is why. I'm trying to honor you in this with all my heart. And you make the decision. If you do that, you will experience, I mean, you will have, people, you know people talk about having a peace about a decision? That's one way to get a peace about a decision, is you put it before the Lord in very tangible ways. God will answer that process, and you'll be able to step out. And again, not with confidence that you've made the exact perfect decision, but that you have made a decision that honors God, that reflects his word, and that is a wise way of applying his truth. Knowing that if you for some reason didn't see something or missed a truth or you know if there was something you didn't think of, God will lovingly shepherd you down that path. Okay, he will fill in. That's where grace comes into play. You know, God knows how to take our best efforts and and keep us from uh, um, from hurting ourselves. So, That, I think, is a a healthy process. Now, I know that some of you are thinking, well, that sounds nice. You know, this whole idea of opening your eyes, opening your ears, you know, opening your hand, putting this stuff into practice sounds nice. But in my life, nice people finish last. Right? I mean, maybe some of you are thinking, well, this sounds great, but I know people like this, I don't really respect them very much. Because they don't really get what life really is all about. And and if I were to do these things, I maybe wouldn't get what I'm looking for in my career. I maybe wouldn't get what I want uh, in different areas of my life. Well, here's the aha. Look at verses 13 to 18. Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. For the gain from her is better than the gain from silver. Her profit is better than gold. She is more precious than jewels, and nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand, and in her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her, and those who hold her fast are called blessed. I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that if there's something that you want, that you think this process won't get you, according to God, that's not going to help. Like what you're pursuing isn't actually going to make you happy. If you pursue wisdom, the gain that you will get from this is better than wealth. It's better than status. It's better than whatever you're pursuing. It's better than a relationship because none of those things will actually satisfy. Um, Proverbs 29. See, this book is so amazing. Let's see if I can find this. Is it 27? Well, it says somewhere in here. You have to trust me on this. It says, um, "It says the heart of a man is deep waters, and it's never satisfied." I'll find it later. You can come up and ask me if you want. <clears throat> but it's in there. I promise. I read it. I have it written down. Um, the set. Sa- I mean, our hearts will never be satisfied with. Wealth by itself, career by itself, relationship by itself, family by itself, children by itself, anything by itself. Because all these things are good gifts from God that are designed to help us to go from that gift to the giver. And if you are seeking the gift without the giver, it will never satisfy. And so God is here saying, if you pursue these things, you will have blessings guaranteed guaranteed some of the blessings are blessings that you can lose okay some of these blessings like life um like uh like long life riches honor these are things that you that that wisdom will give you okay now um it doesn't mean that you're going to be healthy and wealthy in every way in, in every part of your life okay but reality is that when you live this way most of the people around you most not all most of the people will appreciate you will respect you you know in your work environment again not in every environment but in most work environments companies are looking for people like this and they will offer opportunities to people that can demonstrate that they're willing to live in this way but these are things that you can lose okay so um you know what you get a new boss. The new boss is crooked, you know, and you're, all of a sudden your integrity is thrown out the window. They don't care. I mean, so that's stuff you can lose. But there's stuff here that you, that, that you are promised that you can never lose. Okay? You'll have wisdom. You will have ways of pleasantness, verse 17. You will have paths of peace, and you will have a tree of life. You will flourish your life will flourish. It doesn't mean that everything in your life will work out, but that's the joy of wisdom, is that even in the messiness, you will have a peace. Your life will be pleasant in so many ways. You will have things that are rock-solid anchors in your life that nothing can take away, that no bad circumstance can take. I mean, that's the miracle. That's the miracle of wisdom, is that it grants you this rock solid, this bedrock reality, that no matter what happens in life, you have the blessings of wisdom. You have this peace. You have this joy. You have this honor, if not from the people around you, although you will have it. You know, it says, uh, you'll have verse four, good success and favor in the sight of God and man. That will happen. But beyond that, beyond the people around you, God will be smiling on your life. And that is a huge thing that will help you weather just about any storm any storm and when i think about that i mean that leads us then um, i mean all of this is flowing from the gospel but then that leads us to the gospel because this the other promise the promise of new year the promise of proverbs um, is the promise for a fresh start okay The Proverbs talks about the fool, but it also talks about people who pursue wisdom. Okay, so if you haven't been pursuing wisdom up to this point, Christian or not, if you haven't been pursuing wisdom, the good news is that you need to just be in the pursuit to begin to receive these blessings. Okay, you don't have to start pursuing and then the blessings will come in like 10 years. Okay, if you start to pursue wisdom now, you will experience, you will begin to experience blessings because wisdom isn't just an idea. Wisdom's a person, okay? There is a person behind wisdom. Wisdom isn't just good suggestions for living. It's, again, it's the call of God, right? To ignore wisdom is sin, okay? To ignore God's wisdom, to live apart from what God thinks about the world is sin. And so that, I mean, that's all of us. All of us have drifted away from God. And that's why God sent his son, Jesus. Because all of us have been, have lived without wisdom in certain ways. And so that brings us to the cross where we recognize that God sent Jesus not just to be the wisest man who ever lived, not just to show us how to do it, but God sent Jesus so that when Jesus offered himself up, he would be dying for our lack of wisdom. And so if you haven't been pursuing wisdom, if you have ignored wisdom, if you've been hostile to God's wisdom, Jesus would say, come. Come and you can find forgiveness. Come and I will make all things right and I will give you a fresh start and I'll put you on the road to becoming wise and to experiencing these blessings. The joy is that this woman-lady wisdom that's described in verses 13 to 18 who's got long life in her right hand and in her left hand are riches and honor. It's almost like Lady Wisdom was just holding these things for a few thousand years until Jesus would come. Because after his death and resurrection, he took these things from Lady Wisdom and these are what he offers to you today. If you'll believe in him, if you will trust in him, he will grant you not just long life, but eternal life. He'll give you honor and riches not just honor from people, but honor from God. And he will give you every blessing, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in himself. That's his offer. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you. It's easy for us to think about wisdom as just an idea, but to think about you as the embodiment of wisdom. And to picture you standing, offering us long life with you, riches and honor with you, because of what you've done. Uh, It makes me want to worship. I know some of you are here today and you're not yet committed to either wisdom or Jesus. Jesus would offer himself to you. All it takes is saying, Jesus, I'm sorry I've lived too long apart from your wisdom. I confess that I've done that, and I want to repent. I want to come back to you. Please forgive me. If you do that, then Jesus will give you everything in his hands. He will give you all these blessings, and he'll put you in a church that will care for you and, and help you on the road to wisdom. Lord Jesus, draw all of us near and make us wiser this year. We pray in your name. Amen.